welcome to a beautiful Sunday in fall in Brooklyn. Yes, we're back. We're back. This is Objection to the Rule on live on Radio Free Brooklyn, your Sunday news hour. And that was a... uh, Remix. A, a remix of our intro music <laughs> done by Matt, who's not in studio today, um, but he sent that along. And I thought it was a fun little way to change it up. New yeah. guard coming in. Maybe we'll do different remixes in the future. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, I'm Emily. Teresa's on the boards today. I'm trying, guys. So if you hear weird silence, just act like you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also here with Jasmine and Sarah. What's up, ladies? Hello. Hey. Yeah, we have a girl studio today. Hey, girl power. Thanks for contributing to the script this week. Yeah. Yes, everyone. uh, We all did our part. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we have a great show today. Uh, We're talking about this uh, homeless shelter in Queens and a whole controversy around it. Um, We got some Supreme Court shit. (laughs) <laughs> um, as as we are wont to do. And um, maybe we'll be able to figure out this Syria thing, sort of. Yeah, Turkey, we, Syria. I don't we, know. We're going to try. The four of us in here are going to figure gonna it out. We're going to try to give yeah. you something so you ex- understand what's happening there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Um, shall we move on to local news? Yes. Let's All kick right. it off. Jasmine, go girl. Hello. So, um, well, that was a very upbeat way to say, like <laughs> to introduce a very sad story. But um, an article came up on the Gathamist this week about a homeless shelter that's being proposed in Glens- Glensdale, Queens or Glendale, Queens. And the reason why I picked this story was um, in the title, it mentioned that an opponent to the shelter was like, she hopes someone burns it down. So I'm like, oh what? My, oh, my God. Why <laughs> would she say something like that? She but- a hug. There's or something something. So yeah. there's a plan to build what would be a work shelter. So people who are staying in the shelter would have to have a job to qualify to be there. Mm. And this is part of Mel de Blasio's plan to build 90 new homeless shelters and expand 30 ones that already exist. But wow. this past Monday, there was a community meeting um, about the plan facility and the the residents that did not want the shelter to be there basically shouted down the mm. officials and the neighbors that were in support of it. Mm. So um, according to the Gothamist, like there were hundreds of people that showed up to mm. express that they were displeased. Um, and they gathered at Christ the King High School in Middle Village. Um, I am not a Christian, but this does not seem like a Christian thing to say that you want to burn down a shelter for people that need help so um, one of the concerns people raised was that the shelter is going to be close to a few local schools but most of the opponents were just basically angry and spouting a lot of harmful stereotypes about people that are unhoused Mm. Um, so the nonprofit who's supposed to run the shelter it's called west west hab and they were mentioning, you know, we have security guards. It's a high quality facility. And people were talking over them, like saying there's no such thing as high quality. Mm. Um, and one of the opponents, this I thought was interesting, but sh- sort of shows like a lack of self-awareness on her part. There was a woman who does not want the shelter, who initially was optimistic about it, but then she saw that news story more than a week ago about the homeless men that were beaten to death. Mm -hmm. They were bludgeoned to death on the street in Manhattan. Yep. And she's saying, well, because of that, like it makes her feel like it's never going to be a hundred percent safe to have a shelter. 
And when she said that, I'm thinking, well, they were vulnerable yeah. because they were on the street. Exactly. You know, That's the opposite like, reaction. I, yeah, I would they, assume. You know, you're more exposed to that type of violence, you know, if you're not in a safe place. Um, there were also people saying things like they're all drug addicts. They're all sex offenders. Mm. Um, this was, you know, what one of the women was saying who um, she wants them to all be put away from society locked away forever and she ended with if they build this shelter i hope someone burns it down wow so i just really wow. extreme hatred for the poor basically yeah and you know a, a lot of ignorance about what homelessness is you know who could be homeless and you know there's a lot of She's worried about drug addicts and sex offenders. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of sex offenders that are, not you know, homeless. walking around. They're not homeless. <laughs> like a, yeah, a lot, a lot of, of dangerous people in, yeah. in apartment buildings. So, um, yeah, it was really, I can understand, like, wanting to be involved in your community and having yeah. legitimate concerns. But seeing, like, such an outpouring of so much anger and fear yeah. was, um, it was disheartening. So... Yeah, that's really um, unfortunate because it's, I feel like the homeless population can be pretty much anybody at any time. You yeah. know, we're all like one check. I don't know about you away from um, not being able to right? Yeah, like, like just waiting on payday. Um, but that could be that could be the situation for everyone. And when people are so vulnerable, they make really bad decisions. You know, a lot of times I have students of mine that are going through housing problems and I try my best to just get them in some shelter. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like there's a cutoff time about two or three o'clock in the afternoon and they won't accept anybody else after that. Mm-hmm. So if the, if people are working or something in that nature and they happen to be homeless, you get off of work, you have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's it's not like it's just um, some random community of people. You know, lots of homeless people ended up that way because things just didn't work out for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a. Real problem. Um, I think it's it's it sounds like I don't know if it's an ignorance problem or if it's like a, an a empathy problem. I know I know people I know that line that people walk between worrying about their own safety and then also worrying about the general population. Right. And like, I don't want to villainize these hundreds of people off the bat without having been at the meeting, you know, making assumptions, but they're worried about their safety and that's a valid concern. But there's also a lot of ignorance out there about homeless populations yeah, and about what it means to be homeless and how many home people in shelters are working full-time jobs with families and just can't. And especially in New York, it is really hard to have permanent housing for a lot of people. Um, And, you know, a lot of stereotypes about drugs and sex offenders and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there there drug there are drug addicts everywhere. There are sex offenders everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really unfortunate too that in such a community forum, you know, with this story, I was looking up uh, the article that you sent. It didn't show that there was anybody from the facility or um, actually talking back towards this mm. woman or speaking against what she was saying. Not to say that you know you can't have a freedom of speech, but somebody should have at least you know checked her. For demoralizing there, this there community was, of people. There was someone, I don't remember if it was, do, 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 I think it was this man, the assemblyman Andrew Hevesi. Mm-hmm. There was someone who, after she made that comment about burning it down, he said, you know, I'm not going to let you say something like that. Or I, I don't want to believe a New Yorker would say something like that. Mm-hmm. But the man who was running the meeting was like, I can't stop people from talking over you. So even right. people that were trying to get their point across and that knew more about the facts about the facility weren't mm-hmm. able to really express 
what they wanted to get across without having people shout over them. So yeah. it just seemed like it devolved into it wasn't orderly. Like yeah. everyone wasn't able to make their point. So, yeah, I mean, there's an interesting concept here. Like if if you, this was happening in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if this was happening where your kids go to school, you know, how would you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, I I guess the reason I brought empathy to the table is that a few years ago there was actually some sign up in my neighborhood in, in uh, Bushwick about they were they were trying to plan putting some sort of shelter, but it, it might have been like a halfway house type of shelter. It might have been specifically for people transitioning out of the prison system. I can't really remember, but there was the sign specifically was people being like, not in our neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, not in this family neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. But then someone graffitied on it with a pen and was like, where are they supposed to go? Exactly. And yeah, yeah and it's it is. I think we also as a society, uh, we talked me and Matt talked a little bit about it last week. We're like a we're big on the penal system here and not in like a like not cr- like um punishment as not as a rehabilitative mm-hmm. or like, you know, it's more like um just out of sight. They've, yeah, it's like you're in a black box somewhere yeah. and people yeah. don't want to think don't about you anymore. It. And it's yeah. crazy. There's like, like, yeah, there's good people, bad people separate them, right? I'm good. Get this bad person out of the way. And I think that's clear. That clearly bleeds over into a home, homeless populations. And I think and, you know, I think it it's probably a combination of things. There's you see homeless people on the street a lot. And I think there's there's a lot of. Not a lot, but a lot of the most visible homeless people also have mental health issues because there's not a system in place to give the people, those people, the help they need. And I think that's a big reason why people are maybe afraid of homeless people as a group, as a whole. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, there's such a stigma against it because what people see isn't the reality, like Teresa was saying. Like, there's so many homeless people that you would have no idea that they're homeless. Like, Mm -hmm. I've worked in with homeless kids and homeless shelters before and like they're normal families. It's not like yeah. it's, you yeah. have no idea. It's probably like people that, you know, you know, they could have a job. Yeah. So right. could have two jobs, three jobs. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just like a lot that's really ignorant. And, and there's, there's always a huge increase, you know, in Manhattan. Um, I noticed it because even on the block where I work, um, it's almost like, you know, I'm seeing more of them like gathering together and mm-hmm. like trying to share the little spaces that they have together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two women that's right near my job. They just started being on the same corner every single day. And I feel like they know me now because right. they see me get off the train. So I know them. They know me like they, they're not foreign to me. They don't mm-hmm. they don't seem like a um, a separate group of people. There's people I see every day in my life, you know. Right. Um, it's really unfortunate, though. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. And not, not to say like I don't. In a perfect world, like ideally, whether you have a job or not, like nobody should right. have to be on the street. But yeah, exactly. it, I think it says a lot that this is a shelter that specifically requires someone to be working mm-hmm. yeah. to be there. And that wasn't even enough. I'm not sure if some of the people who showed up did not know that yeah. or if they knew, but they didn't really right. care. But it's like even There's with letters, that, yeah. Yeah, it's and, like you still don't. Yeah. And if it is a shelter that requires a good deal of um, paperwork, I guess, or like, you know, forms like there's people talking about, you know, like drugs and um, pedophiles and stuff. They're they're in the school zones. It's like there are laws already preventing right, that overlap. That you can't have you yeah. can't be in a school zone if you're a convicted sex offender. Like you can't have I mean, you can, drugs are illegal, period. But it's like they're yeah, it's like um, and I mean, you know, there are there's a lot of skepticism around bureaucracy, which I guess isn't unfair. But like, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I think it just comes down to like fear. People yeah. are just ultimately like afraid of something like foreign coming into their neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Well, 
the neighborhood's boring already. Hey. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, I, we have something less. Um, what's the word? I don't know. More positive. Less yeah. macabre. Less ma- What a good <laughs> word, Jasmine. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that on a sun- spooky Sunday. Um, yeah. yeah. So this is, yeah, it's a good, it's a good story, but it's also, it's not a, yeah, anyway, let's just say. It. So um, earlier this week, Governor Cuomo announced a new equal pay law, also effective earlier this week. So it's already in effect. Um, according to a press release from the governor's office, the law, quote, prohibits unequal pay, on the basis of a protected class for all substantially similar work. Governor Cuomo also called on businesses in New York to conduct internal reviews of their pay policies and make adjustments as necessary in accordance with the new law. Uh, the law helps ensure that the pay is commensurate with job responsibilities, not just job title. Also, another law that goes into effect in January coming up uh, will prohibit both public and private employers in New York from asking prospective employees about their salary history and compensation. Mm. Yeah. Um, So although pay discrimination based on gender is against federal law, um, according to the American Association of University Women, AAUW, which is a nonprofit that does a lot of work around these issues, um, the gender pay gap is the gap, by definition also, is the gap between what men and women are paid. And it is the result of many factors, including occupational segregation, bias against working mothers and direct pay discrimination. Uh, Additionally, such things as racial bias, disability, access to education and age uh, comes into play. Consequently, different groups of women experience very different gaps in pay. Um, Yeah. So this is these were this is all a very interesting thing to read i think because it's also of course the governor's office is going to come at it like we're solving the problem yeah we're going to solve this problem and honestly the laws that they're enacting i think made me think about the issues in different ways like i'm aware of the wage gap issue um it's a really hot button issue i have ads on my instagram all the time about nonprofits, but like celebrities talking about it and it's it's a really important issue and it's um but these laws are pointed out different ways that i wasn't thinking about it like um for example when a big one of the factors that leads to uh, unequal pay is when employers apparently ask, you know, employees or what was your what were you paid at your last job? And mm-hmm. they're sort of basing their your new salary based on your old salary. But it's also like um, so if like if a man's coming in was paid higher for the same job, they might they well, they expected more money. So they're going to get more money. But so it's just kind of like continues the cycle in that way. You know, I never yeah. tell the truth, <laughs> which is good. No, somebody well, told me legal that. to ask. Yeah. So. An older woman told me, like, you, you never tell the truth about a few things. Right. Mm-hmm. How much money you get paid. Yeah. Right. How old you are. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Right. But I'm against that anyway. But um, and then a couple of other things like, you know, direct stuff like where do you live? You know, I give a neighborhood or something like yeah. that. But it's just one of those things where it's like it's none of your fucking business. Mm-hmm. What I was making before I came here. Yeah. You know, what it has I mean? nothing to do with the job I'm about to do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then it's also another point that was an interesting point was it's, um, you know, d- like differentiating between the uh, not just the the job title but the work you're doing so if you know a man and a woman are doing the same job but he has a higher title so he gets paid more Mm. like actually saying that's not okay either right like if they're doing the same job they have to make the same amount of money which is awesome yeah and it makes you think about you know how these things like that wasn't even something i was thinking about when i would think about this issue um yeah interesting what do you all think i'm glad there's something in place um yeah because yeah Quite honestly, like we'll never know if it'll really work until we start seeing yeah. the differences. Well, that's my question. Do you think 
this is going to solve it too. It's a start. It's a start yeah. in the right direction. I mean, it's it's hard to measure these sort of things because who tells the truth about this shit? You right. know what I'm saying? Like, mm. we we really won't know unless the stuff is really exposed. Yeah. And uh, most most you know it's illegal to expose that sort of information. Um, what everybody's getting paid within a company, so we don't know unless that. it's a, a public company, I think, and then you or a big public. I think yeah, I think some some companies have legally have to have salary public mm. salaries at least for a certain CEO level. Okay. I think, we, yeah, and it might be, it might be whether the company's public or not, or whether it's a nonprofit or not. I'm not sure, but. Okay. And there's yeah. such a weird, I, I think, destructive culture of not talking about it amongst yourselves as mm-hmm. workers that yeah. helps to perpetuate a lot of this stuff too. Yeah. Where just two different people might come from very different backgrounds or whatever, like they might both be women, but like of different colors or of different class backgrounds. And so what sounds like a lot of money to one might be like, well, that's way too low, but you don't know because mm-hmm. you're not talking to each other. So yeah. it's um, I do think that a lot of it has to do with like there's silence, there's a lack of transparency, and it allows a lot of this stuff to just breed mm-hmm. so, yeah. and, you know, get out of control. So hopefully this will lead to more, like, unfortunately, a lot of people and companies will not do the right thing unless you hold their feet to the fire. So hopefully if there's a law. Yeah. It will force that to happen. But, you know, yeah. time will tell. Yeah. I, I always hope that, you know, what we do in New York kind of like stems. Yeah. What the rest of the country will do, uh, especially <laughs> definitely, you know, some of those places that are a little bit more dynamic. And I would hope that, you know, this is kind of like starting to change that's going to happen yeah. um, in 2020 because we see it now. It's like everywhere you look, everywhere you go. And I was thinking about that the other day. Like if I was being paid what I'm worth, would I still be struggling? Oh girl! Oh, hell no! Oh girl! Right? No, seriously, I yeah. thought about that because it's like, wait a minute. When was the last time I did get a a, a raise? Yeah. And and the reality is, they only come, you know, if it's good for the company, not yeah. based on how much work you've put in. No. And um, yeah, and I mean, part of uh the law or part of what Governor Cuomo did was he like you know quote called on businesses to do an internal review, and then I'm like. I was really skeptical reading that. I was like, why would they do that? Is it, do they have to? Or you're like, just because you're encouraging them, I don't think they're going to, I mean, like, like they'll do it if it looks good for PR, right? And if they have the money to, to rearrange a few things, but a a lot of companies are not going to do that voluntarily. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's always this range, right? You can get a raise between 3% and 5%. Like, why isn't everybody just getting 5%? Inflation doesn't, doesn't judge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what you said about, um, it in New York, maybe being an influence for other places. I, I was looking up a little research and like the biggest gap is, is in like, I think Alabama, something like that, like New York, mm-hmm. uh, the smallest gap. Oh, is it California? I can't really remember, but, uh, it might be, it might, it's either, it's like New York, California. It's a, it's a, one of these coastal cities. It's a, uh, a state that you wouldn't be surprised to hear. It's the smallest <laughs> gap. I can't remember which one, but yeah, like the biggest gaps are like in Alabama and that area. Um, yeah. So hopefully, Hopefully yeah. this will be some change we can actually see, right? Yeah. All right, so let's take a break. Yeah. We have some music before we jump into the national news stories, including the Supreme Court and the LGBTQ rights. Yeah. This is uh, Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. All right.
So we're ready for national news. And uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my friend Patrick. He's a big uh, Lizzo fan. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> right? Don't you just love Lizzo? I, like, it's just, yeah, she's doing he, her thing right now. He introduced me to her. And so when I can't listen to her voice without thinking of my friend Patrick. So. Oh, that's awesome. That. Yeah, that was good as hell by Lizzo. Yeah, when I was... Um, Blessed be. Earlier this summer, I was on vacation in Turks and Caicos. And some girl did um, one of the Lizzo songs for karaoke. And I felt so out of like the vibe because I had no idea what was going on. They were oh, having so no. much fun. <laughs> oh. I was like, we've been sitting under a rock. So ever since um, I got back, like I've become a fan. So shout out to Liz. I'll do your thing, boo. <laughs> Girl power. All right. So bring in that national news for us, lady. Okay, so I'm I'm the lady. Okay. You're the lady. You wrote, I'm that lady. Yeah. <laughs> you did the story, girl. Take yeah, like I, okay. So credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. this from uh, CNBC. Yes, definitely. So um, this is a important story. Like mm-hmm. it's it's been um, big in the news. Yeah. So this past Tuesday, the Supreme Court was hearing um, arguments about whether or not Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which forbids discrimination on the basis of sex should be applied to discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender expression or identity. So there were three um, separate cases, um, including that of Amy Stevens. And uh, she is a trans woman who worked at a funeral home. I believe she was a funeral director. And when she let her employer know that she was going to be coming to work and presenting as a woman, they fired her. Um, There's another individual, Gerald Bostick, Bostick, who was fired from his job as a child welfare services coordinator after joining a recreational gay softball league. And um, Donald Zarda, who has passed away, but he was fired from his job as a skydiving instructor when he revealed his sexual orientation to a female client. Mm -hmm. So he's no longer with us, but his family is pursuing the case. So... The argument that some of the more conservative justice justices are making is that it's up to Congress to expand the meaning or the scope of Title VII. Um, and they don't believe that it's the court's position to, I guess, like to legislate that discrimination on the basis of sex ex- includes discriminating against LGBTQ people. Hmm. However, um, Justice Keegan, a Democrat, and Justice Gorsuch, a Republican, they both agreed that um, the Georgia employer who fired an employee for being a man married to another man would not have fired him had he been a woman. Mm -hmm. So the way I land on it is I definitely think that discrimination on the basis of sex does include these things Mm -hmm. because you're in you're imposing a sex stereotype on someone. Mm-hmm. And if they're not living up to that, you feel you have the right to take their livelihood. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I hope that um, they come to the correct decision, but 
we'll have to wait until June of next year to see. Mm-hmm. But um, it, I didn't include it in my summary here, but uh, Justice Ginsburg made the point that back in the day, like in 1964, when the Civil Rights Act first came out, it didn't automatically include things like sexual harassment and hostile work mm-hmm. environments mm-hmm. against women. But we've come to understand that obviously, if you're a woman <laughs> yeah. and you're you experiencing yeah. a different set of... Um, a different type of treatment at your job, like you're being exposed to pornography or people are making comments to you that they would not make to a man, then mm-hmm. that falls under this. So there wasn't a need to necessarily rewrite the law. Like it makes sense that, you know, yeah, these things are all connected and it's about trying to control other people's lives basically, or trying to uh, basically legislate them out of existence, which is not, it's not where we want to go. No, it's not. I mean, um, I do the Title IX training at my at my job, which um, is that obviously about sexual harassment. It has changed in the past few years. I think in 2010, it was extended to um, include pregnancy and parenting. Mm. So it has the iterations yeah. of the law have been extended in other ways to, for protections against people. What is the big deal about this not being extended to them? I don't yeah. understand that because obviously... That's a vulnerable community. These laws were created to protect people in those situations. Yeah. So I don't. It's a no-brainer for me. Like I don't think that this is something that needs a decision. It just needs an extension. Yeah. I mean, I. You know, it seems it's always so convenient when certain justices are like decide that. Oh, we we're not here to decide the law. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Like because you wrote Justice Alito claimed the court is not the legislative branch to not make the decision to add the title. <laughs> I was like, really? Then what are they supposed to do? Then? You're literally there to decide what's constitutional <laughs> under law. Like, yeah. what are you saying? Also, Justice Alito's from my hometown. I went to high school with his daughter. Not a huge fan of him. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Okay. I didn't know his daughter in high school, but she was a few years older. But not a big fan. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, but why do you think they're saying that? Because I think, I mean, it just, I, when I, when I read stuff like that, I'm just, I, it just really reinforces my, my, uh, I don't know, my, but skept, like when I get really skeptical about how political, political some people, justices are and how it's so, it seems so convenient to be able to twist things to fit the, what you want to, the outcome to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's like, what are you talking about? You you were literally here to decide if a law is constitutional. Exactly. And and these people are arguing that it's unconstitutional. Like, what are you saying? But that doesn't it, even make it sense. It seems like it's the my interpretation of what they're doing is to try to throw another roadblock and make yeah. it more difficult. Because if you then say like, well, you need to change the law and go through Congress, mm-hmm. that takes how who knows? God yeah. only knows how yeah. long that's going to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We already have, you know, a lot of Repu- like very conservative Republican people in the in Congress who would probably prevent this from. And in the meantime, people are being fired. Yeah. And it helps to embolden people to be like, well, yeah, like, well, this is my belief like i don't think i don't believe i should have to hire you yeah i absolutely so, think like, that this is absurd i'm yeah. sorry i mean i'm not sorry i'm trying to stop saying that. sorry not sorry right <laughs> yeah. no seriously i mean yeah. this is it's 2020 like every uh-huh. other right has been extended to every other person i feel like like we're headed towards that way this just not seems like would. a natural right <laughs> let's let's hope for that but this just seems like a natural um progression of the law to be 
um, edify to be extended to the people who need it the most. That's the whole purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact that they don't want to have any balls or (laughs) or boobs for that matter, we don't discriminate. Um, (laughs) it's, It's just not fair. It's not fair that these people are in these positions and they have this power and they're not using it. Yeah, like one. one thing um, I'll say before I stop talking <laughs> is um, I think this case, along with um, I don't know if you all remember, there was a woman who refused to issue, I think, a marriage license yep. to a mixed race couple. Oh, mixed race. I right. thought this was and, the, uh, the gay couple. Right. It wasn't it wasn't that. And like that. The reason why I brought that up was she she's recorded saying like it goes against my religious belief because we don't believe in interracial marriage so it was a hetero couple that yeah. was facing this discrimination what and year was that this year oh, it was a few wow. months ago God. yeah so i think a lot of times um sometimes people might not realize how far reaching a lot of these issues are like they may say oh i'm not a part of x group so i don't have to worry about it yeah but you know if someone can say it's against my religion i don't yeah. believe in people not being straight they can easily say like i don't believe in I don't believe in you having sex, so yeah, you don't like, get birth don't, control. Yeah, like I don't believe in, you know, mixed race couples. And the way that these employers are making the decisions, it could be like someone perceives you to not be yeah. living up to some sex stereotype. And yeah. for that, they feel uncomfortable and then you're fired. So I think, you know, we should all be paying attention to it, not just, mm-hmm. you know, those of us who might be the most directly targeted because mm-hmm. these things tend to spread. Yeah. yeah. It really makes you appreciate when you work in an environment where people just respect people, you know? Yeah, you take it for granted. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, I think we see in the city, there's so many jobs you apply for, and they say we don't discriminate on the basis Mm -hmm. of, and there's a whole long list, including your gender expression, your gender identity, like there's gender neutral bathrooms where I work, but that's not a federal thing. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of... Protected states, classes uh, federally are, are much fewer than state right, and yeah. local protected classes. Yeah. 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 This is interesting. I had a conversation one time with um with an individual who was thinking of transitioning and they just asked my um opinion, you know, like what did I think about it? Just needed to have some, you know, non judgmental ears um to listen to their story. And my honest response was, um, you should be mindful that's where you are in your career. Because mm. I would hate for you to lose your everything that you worked for um, because you decided to do this in your life. It's not fair. But the reality is like you work in the medical field. Mm. I can't guarantee you're going to have a job if you come to work tomorrow looking like a different person. And it was very scary yeah. that I had to be that honest with him. But I was I was very real with him because I just didn't want to see. I just felt like he had worked so hard to be where he was. And when I spoke to him recently and asked about it, he's like, I think I'm just going to wait until I'm like, I got my job and I'm comfortable mm-hmm. and this, that and the other. And then we'll see what happens. And it, it it jumped from being like, oh, it's a family issue. And I don't know if they'll respect me to it's your livelihood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's rough. It's and, ha- yeah. And then, you know, that, has a ripple effect because you know there's a lot of people that need someone in the medical field that's sensitive to their issues mm-hmm. exactly. because they get it you exactly. know so like you need I, you yeah. need to see people who are like you who are able to be themselves who are out and proud and yeah. things like this and it's not it, the more people have to hide what they are because they're afraid the more that fear just and perpetuates. It, like perpetuates yeah. itself you know so, and i was just thinking right now that like this is probably affecting trans folks the most. And like how many people are even 
making these decisions mm-hmm. that are queer. Like all the people in this story, all of the legislators yeah. are probably straight identifying yep. yeah. cis right, people. Yeah. That's just, so that's just like the root of the problem. Like yeah. we're, we don't even have people that are voting on these things population yeah. that are voting on this. It's just people, the same people making the same decisions over and over yeah. again. And on top of that, that two current sitting justices have been accused of uh what, what do we call it? Sexual harassment? Yeah. But more than that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like beyond that. Um, two current justices. So even <laughs> folks, I, ju- I just want to put out a PSA. Even if, you know, however you feel about these things, it's good for us to advocate for our brothers and sisters, no matter where we are. Because at the end of the day, we're the only ones doing it. Yeah. You know, and if even, if, you know, however you, uh, wherever you are in your life, in your career, it's, it's just good to be an ally to someone who may be different than you. At least be open minded to it, because this is the way of the world. This is not some shit that's not happening. It's happening every yeah. day in our life. And people are really being put to the sidelines um, for things that they should not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thanks, there's Teresa. PSA. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to stand on a soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break for um, another a throwback track for the day. Yeah, we'll be back with some world news. Right after, a right throwback after track. throwback oh, and track, and also you've been yeah. listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> by the way, uh-huh. Ooh, I saw you soon as you came the door you and your mans and them just took over the floor started doing your thing and it made me notice you even more the way you turned around and looked at me it seemed as though you must have somehow felt me staring on the low something tells me you're the kind of guy I'd like to get to know
that was our throwback track today, Full Moon by Brandy. Did you guys know it's an Aries full moon tonight? Hey, girl. Mm -hmm. I did not, but you certainly did. I did. So, yeah, charge your crystals. Okay? <laughs> it Are is you time. Aries as well? I am not. I'm, I'm full Libra. My birthday was last week. Happy I was in right. Mexico. Birthday. Yeah. It was awesome. I was in the jungle. I jumped in some cenotes. I got to see Chichen Itza. So, um, I didn't know what nice. two of the things he just said are. So cenotes are these underwater, fresh river, like, holes all throughout the Mexico. Water hole. I love that. Oh. And, yeah, you could just jump. It's like the natural earth. There are things swimming around in it sometimes. Um, so I visited Grand Cenote and also um, Cenote Aquil, and I jumped off this cliff. Yeah, I was, like, living my wow. best, best life out there in Mexico. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you guys should go check out Tulum because it's nice. Oh, it's a nice place. Yes. All right. So we're going to get into this world news. Um, so just a little um, disclaimer, right? We're all trying to understand what is happening in the Middle East right now. Mm -hmm. And it is my effort every time I do world news to try to break this stuff down for my own understanding and for yourself. So I did uh, post some stuff on our Facebook page today concerning this story. But definitely I got me and Emily both got updates this morning um, that are... Um, in attune to this story. So yeah. I'm going to try to break this down for you guys. So, you know, Turkey has an operation that they just um, they're calling the Peace Spring in Syria. So the Turkish president, um, Recep Adrojan, launched what he called Operation Peace I think Spring. Erdogan, maybe. Thank you. Yes. Erdogan. I don't always know. No, but you know. I think one. it's Erdogan. Erdogan. Yeah. See, I'm even wronger. <laughs> See, we all need help. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, so he launched this on Wednesday in an effort to drive away Kurdish forces away from the border and use the area to resettle about 2 million Syrian refugees. According to the UN, more than 100,000 people have been displaced from the area under Kurdish control. Turkey accuses the Kurds of being terrorists and says that it wants to drive them away from the safe zone. Okay, so the op operation comes just a few days after President Trump announced that U.S. troops will be pulled back from the area, prompting a storm of criticism from his own Republican Party. Uh, Trump's decision to withdraw the U.S. troops from the area are effectively triggering the Turkish incursion and really just um, causing a lot of drama between the Turks and the Kurds. Now, the Kurdish uh, were U.S. allies and they were a big help in fighting um, ISIS. So this is a big deal. Okay, um, I think just this morning he ordered the complete removal. That was the update that I received this morning of all U.S. troops from the area. So fighting on the Syrian border with Turkey has prevented um, the SDF, which is a Kurdish um, security force group, um, from securing ISIS detention camps in the area. And it's pretty much let um, a lot of them are not being detained anymore and a lot of them are escaping. So their senior official, Rador Ziel, said in a televised statement the other day that the Turkish operation is giving way for the ISIS to regroup. The Kurds who recaptured this section in northeastern Syria from the Islamic State with the backing of the U.S. with the United States could reemerge and the followers, followers of ISIS are now escaping from the prisons. Um, so the Kurdish people are no longer guarding them because now they have to protect themselves from the Turkish forces. And now people are being released. These are family members um, of ISIS and other people who were caught uh, working with them. They are now not being detained and not being held anymore. Um, so, yeah. All shit is broken loose out there. Um, so that's pretty much the breakdown. So the Kurds have been allies to the U.S. They've been a big help in fighting against ISIS. And now that Trump has taken the troops away, um, 
Turkey has coming in to try to stop the Kurds from doing whatever it is that they're doing. So this is a, a ball of confusion. My question to you guys is, first of all, how do you feel about President Trump removing Syria right now? Removing troops from Syria. What do you guys think has, you know, fueled this? What do you think about this? Why do you think he's doing it? I think he's a child. And I think that he takes everything so personally when it's like millions of people's lives at stake and he plays it like it's like a, a an argument on his Twitter. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he treats like world issues like they're a Twitter argument, which is yeah. ridiculous. Like, I mean, his foreign policy is quite questionable, right? Yeah. And who is advising? Nobody's advising him to do this. No. He's deciding because he's a big baby that he wants to do what he wants to do. And it's going to it's going to be a going to be a bad it already bad. is a problem yeah yeah i mean they're on the loose now i mean yeah yeah i mean it's it's that's so frightening um yeah i i mean the whole idea you could look at a broad scale like the idea of whether we should have troops in the middle east is a question but like i i had uh when my friend brian was here he was so anti having troops there just get him out and i was just like but like what if it's too complicated it's, for that. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, in the long term, maybe, but that's not right. like he thought, you can't just yeah. dismantle everything that's yeah. going on. Some right. some people see it as very black and white. The U.S. should not be in the Middle East period. Get them out. But it's like it's so much more complicated than that. Like infrastructure is built up and, you know, there's power systems built up around the people that are there and things could get bad <laughs> yeah i mean things are really already bad yeah um i think the more biggest bad, thing yeah. more bad right is that even a word <laughs> it's I, two words <laughs> i think the biggest thing for me is that um these this kurdish population who is is a stateless population they don't mm-hmm. have their own land they don't have their own government they don't have anything which was now um they're now just kind of left out there vulnerable as well so it's unfortunate that this is happening in Syria and there's a lot of Syrian refugees that have been displaced because of this fighting. But this stateless group of people are now even more vulnerable and they were people who helped us previously. Um, they were allies to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely something to be on the lookout for. The other part of this is what is the purpose of a detention camp? Please tell me this. Mm. What happens there? Like what what do you guys you guys have any thoughts about that? Because there's family members, you know, mothers and daughters, children. Mm-hmm. They're being held in these camps just waiting for somebody to make a decision about their life. What is the purpose? Like, do you guys think there's another way to handle this? That's a good question. That's a tricky one, too. Um, it's the camp of ISIS supporters, which is no bueno. But like, right? yeah, it's internment camp style, just like, you know, people who haven't committed crimes, but... I mean, I, I don't know. I guess supporting terrorism is a crime, but are you responsible for what your relative has done? Right. Or like what your brother Children. did? You know, and that's like what, what I was thinking. Like there's certain. Why is it acceptable to do that for certain types of people? But mm-hmm. you would never think it's acceptable, for example, here right. to be like, oh, your father was a war criminal. Like we're going to throw you in a camp because you're responsible. We as did it. Well. Yeah. Like, World War II style Japanese internment camps. Right. It's like different. It's like, oh, like this other population. Like yeah. we are yeah. all suspect. Right. So we're all going to we're going to lock you away. So I. Yeah. yeah I yeah. don't I mean, agree it's, with it's, locking up people's families. No, mm-hmm. I just keep thinking of, of the did. children, you know, that are at our own border um, yeah. sitting there struggling. But just, you know, these these are really vulnerable people they where are what are they going to do with them and and obviously they're going to be even more tapped up into this war now because they're just being released out in syria who knows if there's even 
any shelter for them. There'll be refugees in another country, um, which just really keeps that group of people very vulnerable. And I'm not saying that they haven't supported ISIS or they're, you know, they could be doing bad things Mm -hmm. to help ISIS. I'm just thinking about if that was my brother, if I was locked up for the sins of my brother or my mom or anyone, you know, then what? Like Mm -hmm. there should be some sort of plan or some sort of like (sighs) re-emerging sort of, Let's get you back into a stable population or something like that. But there's no plan. So there's there's literally thousands of people just sitting there. And I think the point of it to your question, I think the point is just so that we can point fingers and be like, we're doing something. Yeah, yeah. this is for safety. Something safe is happening. But really, it's just putting people at risk, exactly. like a higher risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's really scary to to think that there's no there's no plan of attack, you know, uh, of how to help. these. Yeah. Both these both vulnerable Word choice. populations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, All right, we got through Syria. What? Woohoo. All right, on to another world story. Sarah. This one's presenting, a bit of good news. Yeah, yeah, this one's a little more positive. Presenting Matt's uh, story. Go ahead, girl. This is the Nobel Peace Prize awarded to Ethiopian Prime Minister. Ethiopian Prime Minister. <laughs> I don't know how to say his first name. Abi Abi, Abi Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Um, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for signing a peace deal with. Uri- Eritrea? Eritrea? Yeah. Is it Eritrea, Eritrea. or Eritrea? Eritrea. Eritrea? Eritrea, right. Which ended a 20-year stalemate. And he also freed thousands of opposition activists from jail and allowed exiled dissidents to return home. Uh, BBC says that under him, several women have also been appointed to prominent positions. Wow. I'd love to know what those are. Yeah. That sounds really cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, he's the youngest at 43, um, head of government in Africa, um, and has taken part in the peace process for neighboring countries such as Sudan's military and the civilian opposition. Uh, he made good on campaign promises such as political freedoms and an end to authoritarianism. But after he was elected, almost 3 million people have been displaced due to ethnic tensions. Mm-hmm. Um, he's given us some questions. Um, why would freedom bring violence. Some people think that people from Ahmed's region took his ascendancy as validation to tout their own ethnic and tribal mm. superiority. Um, the LA Times reports that other officials say that the conflicts are an unavoidable consequence of Ethiopia's attempt to move from a de facto one-party state to a pluralist democracy. Mm. Nations in Africa have many problems other countries don't have to deal with. Colonialism of the past and modern-day colonialism in the form of foreign companies dodging taxes while operating in Africa, non-African companies economically bullying their way into mining rights and literally mm-hmm. taking resources out of Africa, and foreign companies repatriating the profits made in Africa into their home countries. Um, so yeah, that it's a lot. Got yeah, <laughs> yeah, got more complicated than we started out with. But yeah. what does everyone think of? Yeah, um, I think that it's great that this is a young leader. Mm-hmm. Who is being mm-hmm. pushed to the forefront for being able to bring some sort of peace to a region that's always been troubled. Um, shout out to him. I think, you know, people who win the Nobel Peace Prize today are few and far between that do this type of work. Um, so I think that this is a step in the right direction. And as one of the young leaders in Africa is, you know, I think it's positive for the continent as a whole. What yeah. about you, Em? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, Matt's Matt's research <laughs> was spanned a lot of information, yeah. and I, I, it feels good to read a story like that when it seems like so much of the world is moving backwards in peace deals and um just like intergovernmental, like just working on conflicts and and with positive outcomes. Um, feels good to finally read something again yes. that's like because I know uh yeah 
there was like a similar um, peace deal in South America with um, like like um, with rebels and drugs and all this stuff. But like it's that's been moving backwards this year, and yeah. feels good to read something that's moving forward positively. Um, yeah, but and so like apparently there's also but you know it's not a a perfect situation. What was Matt? I think Matt's saying with like um, that you know this guy has been brokering some peace deals, but then there's also been violence sprouting up around his election specifically um, based on like tribal and ethnic issues. And that gets really complicated um, in Africa. And, you know, based on my uh, world studies (laughs) classes in high school, you know, like uh, Africa was divided up by colonial powers into these like, you know, borders and all this stuff when, and, and that became, that was an issue because it was a bunch of different tribes that yeah. were across different borders and split up and forced into the same country together when mm-hmm. they were actually separate and maybe not tribes that got along well with each other. Yeah. So it's a lot of, there's a lot of issues that play on that, on the continent. And a lot, it's a lot of based on a lot of other nations getting in there and just fucking shit up. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just like that, you know, they can have that regional diplomacy happen because once that happens in all the regions Mm -hmm. if you will then you know we may have a more stable africa so yeah shout out to ethiopia and eritrea can we all just get along (laughs) do do we want to do we want to do our good and weird stories and then end with the last song yeah you want to do that yeah no problem because obviously my last song we can go we can go out on it exactly for this story here Uh (laughs) um but yeah i'm sure you guys have seen the news this week shout out to tyler perry yeah, uh, doing big things, doing big things. <laughs> I'm really proud of Tyler Perry. No matter what you feel about this man, what he just did was really incredible. Um, so Tyler Perry became the first African-American to open his own studio in 2006 in Atlanta. But this past week, he basically made history by opening a brand new uh, location of Tyler Perry Studios, which contains 12 sound stages named after esteemed black performers. Um, so this is a big deal because a lot of times people of color go into Hollywood and they're not supported. Um, they And Tyler said he did this because he had the same issue. I don't know if any if you know Tyler Perry's story, but he lived in his car. Um, for the beginning of his career while he was trying to get his films out. So this was like a dream deferred that came true in his lifetime, uh, which is awesome. And and as an as, as an African-American, I feel like this is like a step in the right direction um, just because there is this place that is now housed for this type of filming. And I, you know, I feel like it's just going to open doors for many other people. Um, it was built on a site that served as a Confederate Army base during the American Civil War. Um, his new studio is now one of the largest in the country. And in an interview with Gail King, Perry, uh, Perry spoke candidly about his own past, growing up in an abusive home and how his journey from being homeless um, to a movie mogul has inspired him to create many of his classic films. So now his repertoire includes more than 48 movies, plays and TV shows. And his new Atlanta studio is larger than those of Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, Fox and Sony combined. Wow. This shit is massive. It's like a whole exit off the highway. In Atlanta. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that, but wow. Yeah, it, it was a really big deal. Um, all of Black Hollywood was there to congratulate them. He even has his own star walk of fame and all of the people that have been in his films have oh, a star cool. there as well. So I think it's just a really wonderful thing. And the best part about this good news um, in that same interview, Perry revealed that his studio will also include a shelter for trafficked women, girls, 
homeless women and LGBTQ youth who were put out and displaced. Woohoo! Oh my gosh, yes. that's the opposite of what we started yeah, with. Right? Uh, there yay. is good in the world. Yeah. So shout out to Tyler Perry that's and his awesome. crew. I think that is, you know, a really dynamic awesome. step uh, moving forward in this country and that it will just open up the doors for more um, people of color to just see themselves in film. I, I love that. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. I think, it's a, I think it's good for Hollywood, definitely, and I'm happy for him. Um, I also hope that, because Atlanta is rapidly gentrifying, and that's <laughs> a big issue, like displacing a lot of the poor, like, black populations that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also saw some stuff about him being anti-union, so I hope that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, to be continued, But, you right? know, yeah, I'll yeah. look more into that. But good for him, and hopefully it brings more good than shady thing. Good points by Jasmine. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, should we do our... Come on, Em. Why don't, you, why don't right. you handle this? Here? I'm going to do oh, this. No. And then do you want to do the... I'm going to do the weird story. We have a weird story today, thanks to Matt. I love a, I love a good weird story. I like mixing it up a little bit. Um, I'm going to do... Yeah, okay. So uh, maybe some people have heard of this weird fucking fish thing. Um, it's it's my... just living its life. <laughs> uh, and but it's dangerous. So um, it's the snakehead fish exclamation point. Um, so an invasive species that has been found in 15 U.S. states. It's a creepy creature. <laughs> Matt with the alliteration. Thank you. Um, New York Times put it like this. A, quote, slimy, toothy, large jawed animal that can breathe on land and crawl like a snake, which is horrifying. <laughs> me it's added the commentary. It's horrifying. Um, <laughs> along with sounding like a little monster, it's being dealt with just like it's a, the bad guy in a horror movie. You know, the scene where the gear up before a big standoff and the alpha male gives out instructions. In this case, the alpha male is the Georgia uh, DNR. And uh, here's their instructions. Kill it immediately. <laughs> then you should freeze it. Freeze it. The department it. advised, helpfully reminding people, remember, it can survive on land. Oh, my God. Scary. Um, oh, thanks, where Matt. Where is this fish? Where is it? Um. Is it like in Central Park? It's in like, 15 states. Oh is it God. in the Gowanus Canal? That's where yeah, I'm right? right now. <laughs> oh I mean, that, that canal's breeding its own fucking yeah, right? monsters. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Um, so we are short on time, though. Teresa, should we do the, the re- on-air reads? You want to read the mead bottle? Our little... um, I think you should. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so... You're just so good at that. Oh, and um, yeah. So, well, by the way, you've been listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um Every Sunday at 1 p.m. We're here hot with some news for you. Uh, I'm Emily. We were here with Teresa. Hey. Jasmine. Hey. Sarah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Uh, it's, we had a great show today. Um, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, we, lo- we, you know, basically survive on donations in a lot of ways. Um, so if you should feel so so generous and you like what you're hearing please donate um but we also are lucky to have a sponsor right now in me bottle um after more than a year of dreaming researching experimenting late night conference calls and early saturday morning meetings the me team is happy and proud to present you the me bottle this double insulated reusable steel stainless steel bottle in fact disinfects water <laughs> disinfects water in a 60 second cycle utilizing uvc led technology um it's a really fancy bottle, and we're really grateful to have you. Thanks, me bottle. All right, guys. Well, that that concludes our show this week. Please check out our Facebook yeah. group for objections to the rules. Some of the stories that we had today will be up there, and we will send you more updates of what's going on. Keep you connected and yeah, uh, plugged in. Rock and roll, baby. Yeah. We're gonna All go right. out on a song. What yeah, song? Yeah, this is it, last Teresa? song is dedicated to Tyler Perry. 
All right? Because <laughs> he started from the bottom. Now he's here. Drake. Yeah. <laughs> this has been Objection to the Rule. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Started. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Nigga, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Nigga, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team fucking here. I done kept it real from the jump. Living at my mama house, we'd argue every month, nigga. I was trying to get it on my own. Working all night, traffic on the way home. And my uncle calling me like, where you at? I gave you the keys, so you bring it right back, nigga. I just think it's funny how it goes. Now I'm on the road, half a million for a show. And we started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here, nigga. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom.